Hallelujah. We were talking upstairs this morning about, about the family. We were talking about family devotions, family worship. And I believe that this is a, a message that was very timely uh, this morning uh, because the enemy of our soul is out to destroy every family. And God is building strong families. He ministers to the whole family. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about worship this morning. I've uh, labeled my sermon, Formal Worship, Powerless Prayer. So if you'll open your Bibles with me to Zechariah, Zechariah, the seventh chapter, we'll start with the fourth verse. Zechariah 7, 4. If you have a problem finding it, you go to the New Testament, that's Matthew, go back two books, and you're there. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, when you fasted and mourned, in the fifth and the seventh months, during those seventy years, did you really fast for me? For me? When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous, and the south and the lowland were inhabited. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice, show mercy and compassion every one to his brother. Do not oppress the widow and the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. But they refused to heed, shrugged their shoulders, and stopped their ears so that they could not hear. Yes, they made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his Spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it happened that just as he proclaimed and they would not hear, so they called out and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations, which they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them, so, they, so that no one passed through or returned, for they made the pleasant land desolate. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing upon the reading of the word. We pray, God, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to rest upon each of us. We pray, God, that we would have a mind that would be open, that would have a, you would give us understanding, that you would make our hearts pliable 
that we would become doers of the word and not hearers only. God, this is a very special time in the service when we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to you to speak to us very clearly through your spirit. And God, we know that it's not by power nor by might, but it's by your spirit. So Lord, would you just move now by your spirit? Would you just hover over us and would you speak to us very clearly? And would you anoint this pastor to preach? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give you a definition of worship by William Temple, and I think it's a very good definition of worship. It says, To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purposes of God. At the time of the writing here in Zechariah, the temple at Jerusalem was in the process of being rebuilt. And the question came in verse 3, Should we weep in the fifth month and fast as we have done for so many years? And here we have recorded for us the words of the Lord as they came to Zechariah. And he charges the people with mere formal worship. Formality in worship is an insult to God. We serve a living Savior. And our worship should not be just a formality. There's a lot of people that trust in form or in formality. We were talking upstairs this morning of how some people take communion and it's, they don't even realize why they're taking it or they just go by what the, the church has told them. They, they don't understand. They've never looked into the Word of God. They've never got a grasp on it. I can remember, and I hate uh, calling out denominations, and maybe it wasn't the denomination, maybe it was my fault, but I was a Lutheran for 13 years. And I got so that I could take and uh, recite the, uh, the Apostles' Creed uh, I could uh, say the Lord's Prayer, and uh, I could do all these things without even thinking of what I was saying. It was just mere formality. And I think that Pentecostals, now understand what I'm saying, I think that Pentecostals can become just as formal in their worship 
as the Catholics or the Lutherans or the Baptists or anyone else. I think that we must guard against formality. God is alive. God is moving by his Spirit. And we need to be in tune with his Spirit. We need to be listening to what the Spirit's saying. We need to be yielded to what the Spirit wants to do. Here he charges them with hypocritical fasting, verse 5. Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, when you fast and mourn in the fifth and the seventh month during those 70 years, did, did you really fast for me? And then almost like a word of unbelief, for me? Were they fasting for a closer relationship to God? Were they wanting to get closer to the heart of God? Were they wanting to understand the motives and the thing that God was trying to say to them? Or were they fasting for themselves? <clears throat> You know, they made the same mistake over in Matthew in the time of Jesus. Matthew 6 and verse 16. Hold your place, we'll be coming back. <clears throat> Matthew 6 and verse 16. <clears throat> he says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to be to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in secret, in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You see, how many come into church and they are really in the spirit of worship and they don't care that my neighbor here is raising her hands or whether she isn't raising her hands? How many are raising their hands just to be seen of God and not to be seen of men to, to appear more spiritual? You see how we can get into the, uh, this formality? We can, we can get into a form of worship and, and we're doing it not because we want to please God, we're doing it because we want to please men. Or we want to do it so that we appear more spiritual. It's possible to deny ourselves so that we look good in the eyes of others. And God is not pleased with that. God wants our heart into our worship. And then, secondly here, he accuses them of selfishness in their eating and drinking. Verse 6. He says, when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? 
Over in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, it says, Whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. When you sit down at the meal, this afternoon, are you going to offer up a prayer in such a way that it glorifies God? Or are you going to offer up a formal prayer? You know, some religions, they, they got their prayers written down and they, they pray the same old prayer over and over. But Pentecostals are just as bad. Sometimes we sit down to a meal and we pray the same old prayer over and over too. When we sit down, we say the same old things. God wants us to, whether we eat or whether we drink, everything should be to His glory. Even the prayer that we offer up in thanks should be bring glory to God. If someone was listening in, it would glorify God. Who does most of our prayers glorify? Who are you eating for? Are you eating for yourself? Or are, when you're eating, uh, is it in such a way that it glorifies God? Even the Lord's table, we can get to the point where we're eating and drinking out of formality. It's the first or the second second, Monday, uh, second Sunday of every month. It's always in the morning service. And we expect it and we go through the same old rituals and... Or is it new and exciting to us? I am going to take, partake of the Lord's Supper. And what we're doing should bring glory to God. That's what this here is meant to do. It's meant to bring glory to God. You know, even at the Lord's table, we can drink judgment onto ourselves, not discerning the Lord's body. That's what it tells us over in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. You know, people come to the Lord's table without searching their hearts, without repenting of their sins, without confessing their sins unto God. They come in an unworthy manner. They are holding grudges against brothers and sisters. God says, you're drinking judgment unto yourself. And then, next here in our text, we find that they were charged with neglect of the word of the Lord. Verse 7. Should you not have obeyed the words which the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets? Hey, these things were written for our admonition. 
upon whom the ends of the earth have come. These things were written so that we wouldn't fall into the same pitfalls. God has spoken. And yet we were talking about in our daily devotionals how it's possible to sit down and read the Word of God and not heed the Word of God, but just do it to get through it. Formalism. You know, the formalists, they, they give little or no attention to the Word of God at all. They're just going through the motions. I don't want that this church should ever just go through the motions. Let's put our heart and our soul into it. Let's listen to the Word of God. Let's act on the Word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. The only thing these formula, formula, uh, formalists, I guess that's the word, formalists, the only thing they were concerned with was ceremonial. I'm telling you, some, some churches, they are so formal. I mean, if you were to light the candle at the wrong time or, or uh, the, the uh, thing wasn't folded up exactly right, or these are the things they're concerned with, not on how, what does it look like to God? What is God seeing? What is happening in your heart? See, that's what God's interested in. Hallelujah. Let's never just go to church out of habit. Let's go in because we're meeting with God. And he says we're going to need to do it the more we see the day approaching because we draw strength from God and from one another. You know, there's people that carry their Bibles to church and, and uh, they never read nor heed the Word of God. I mean, that was written for so-and-so that's sitting in the back pew back there, that backslider back there, see? Boy, I wish she'd have been here today to hear that preacher preach. He was preaching right down her throat. Let me tell you something. The Word of God is for every one of us. And God preaches the Word to me before I preach it to you. Hallelujah. And we need to heed the Word of God. We need to respond to it. And the thing that's being said here is because of their formalism, their formalism in worship, they have no power in prayer. That scares me. We need to have power with God because that's the only place we're going to get power from. 
Did you know that there's prayers that are powerless? Look at verse 13. He says, Therefore it happened that just, <clears throat> just as he proclaimed and they would not hear, so they called out and I would not listen. That's powerless prayer. You don't want to listen to me? I'm not going to listen to you. Mm. Hallelujah. Why was this? It's very clear. They'd made their hearts hard as flint. They weren't receiving what God was saying. It wasn't that they didn't hear it with their ears. They just hardened their heart like Pharaoh hardened his heart. They stopped up their ears, it says. They didn't want to hear it anymore. You know, I had a person tell me, you know, you'll never fill your church preaching like that. But you've got to be faithful to the Word of God. Praise God, you can't just tickle ears. You've got to tell them the truth. You've got to proclaim what the Lord said, whether you like it or not. Let's note some of their failures here. Number one, there was a, a lack of mercy and compassion in their lives. Verse 9, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion, everyone, to his brother. You know, we've got to be forgiving. It's not just an option. Matthew, again, and chapter 5, we have a recorded prayer that was meant to be not repeated over and over, but an example. <clears throat> and at verse 14, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But it doesn't stop there. It says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. With the measure you give, it shall be given to you. You want to hold a grudge? God says, I've got to hold it against you. You want to treat people without any mercy? That's the way I'm going to have to treat you. It's not an option. We must forgive. You remember over in Matthew 18, Peter came to the Lord and he said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times? And the Lord said, no, 70 times seven. And then he went on to tell him the story of a king and a man who owed him a great debt. 
and he had not the means to pay, and so he begged the king to forgive him, and the king forgave him a great debt. And then he ran out and he grabbed his fellow servant, who owed him just a little bit, and grabbed him by the neck and demanded that he pay and had him thrown into prison until he could pay every last penny of it. And it says that the, Lord, the king, the Lord was wrought with that servant. God has forgiven us so much. How can we hold unforgiveness in our heart against anyone? Hey, has anyone hurt you as bad as we've hurt Jesus? Who nailed you to the cross? Who put the sins of the world upon you? No one. And yet Jesus forgave because it was our sins that nailed him there. And he forgave. And it's such a great debt he forgave. How can we do any less than what he did for us? Hallelujah. Then I see that they were charged with the fact that they had oppressed the helpless. Verse 10. said, do not oppress the widows and the fatherless, the alien and the poor. You know, to take advantage of people who really can't defend or help themselves is to thumb your nose in the face of God, really. Because we were helpless. We still are helpless. And God is a God of mercy. And he, he loves us despite what we've done. And he forgives us. God delights in mercy. And then there's a charge here that they were evil thinking. However, they had evil thoughts in their mind, verse 10. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. You know, every thought is naked before God. God can read minds. He not only can read your mind, he can read your heart. You know, some of us would be ashamed if all of a sudden God could take and make a VCR of what's on our, on our heart and then show it back on a screen. Make a movie of it and then show it back on a, on a big screen up here. God knows your thoughts. And uh, we're not to have 
evil thoughts because evil thoughts will poison your prayers. You know, it's the pure in heart that's going to see God. Amen? Hallelujah. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Without holiness, no man is going to see the Lord. We've got to have holiness of heart in order to pray prayers that are going to be heard of God. That's what it's saying here. They, he said, uh, you've been oppressing your brothers. You've, you've had evil thoughts in your heart against your brothers. Praise God, let's not have any evil thoughts against any brother or sister. Especially when we're going to come to the Lord's table. And we're partaking of the mercy that God has given us. That's what this represents. God's mercy to mankind. He says, I forgive you. I don't care what you've done. You're forgiven. And when we come, we partake of this and we say, thank you, Lord, for forgiving my sins. Are we holding a grudge against someone else? See, we're to search our hearts before we come to the communion table. And then we see that they refused to hearken in verses 12 and 13, if you're looking at the text there. God says you won't, uh, he's not going to listen because they hadn't been listening to him. Are you listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying? Maybe the Holy Spirit's saying you need to go to brother so-and-so and just ask for his forgiveness. Well, if he's saying that, you better do it. Amen? <laughs> I'd be afraid not to. Husbands and wives, they fight outside the church, and then they come into church and say, and they got a grudge in their heart, and they say, oh, God, forgive me. It says that it'll hinder your prayers if you don't have a right relationship with your husband or your wife. We need to get that relationship right. Maybe you need to go and apologize to your child. Oh, well, is that humbling, huh? Maybe you need to go apologize to mom. Dad. Maybe you need to go tell dad that you're sorry. Because look at the final results, verse 14. They were scattered. He scattered them like with a, with a whirlwind among the nations, which they had not known. In other words, judgment. Judgment. God had to judge them. He had to judge his lovely nation, the, the nation he had called, the nation that he loved so much. He had to judge them. He didn't let Israel get away with it, and he's not going to let the Christian get away with it either. We're going to come to the communion table. And as the 
elders and the ushers come, I'm going to ask you to search your hearts before God. Prepare yourself for the communion table. And just by chance that there's some animosity between somebody, maybe something you said that you shouldn't have said, you need to go and ask forgiveness. Now's the time to do it. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful. We're thankful for Jesus Christ. The night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, This is my body which is broken for you. Very personal. It's for you. He said, Also, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim his death till he comes. After he drank from his cup, he said, This is the New Testament of my blood. He said it was for the remission of sins. Father, as we come before your table, may we really have the Holy Spirit help us to search our hearts, search our motives. Help us to find forgiveness for everybody as Jesus forgave us. Lord, may your blessings be upon these elements of communion, which represent your broken body and your shed blood. And Lord, we just pray that each one would partake of this realizing the body of Christ for we're all that body it's Christ in us the hope of glory and we ask this in Jesus name 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 name